Welcome to Body Sculpt of New York, six weeks to fitness podcast, where we hope to inform, motivate, encourage, and inspire you to live a healthier lifestyle. And now, here's your host, the president of Body Sculpt of New York, Vince Ferguson. Welcome to another episode of Six Weeks to Fitness. My next guest is Becca Rose, the owner of Myofunctional Pathways, LLC. She is a myofunctional therapist, certified Buteco breathing instructor, sleep coach, and registered dental hygienist. Today, she's going to share with us how proper breathing techniques can enhance our performance and strengthen recovery for faster results. Did you know that proper positioning of our tongue and nasal breathing can improve our respiratory issues such as asthma and COPD, as well as other issues such as fibromyalgia, menopause, migraines, high blood pressure, ADHD, and so much more. Now, if you didn't know, if you didn't know this, well, guess what? Neither did I. Becca also has an eight-week performance and recovery program. I think you're going to really get a lot from this interview, and I know for sure that I did. Becca Rose, welcome to Six Weeks to Fitness, episode 213. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me very much. Well, it's my pleasure. And as you know, I interviewed a colleague of yours, Therese Laguerre, uh, also a myofunctional therapist. And the information she shared was just mind blowing. So I really, I'm really looking forward to speaking with you, especially when it comes to how breath work and proper use of the tongue can add to your fitness and your performance. This is so important because this is a, a health and fitness podcast. So I want to see how we can just tie that all in. But before we do that, tell my viewers and my listeners more about Becca Rose. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? And what brought you to become a myofunctional therapist? Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah, my <laughs> name is Becca Rose. I have um, been in the dental field since 2004. Um, like Carice, I'm also a hygienist. Um, and then I got interested in the myofunctional world when I went to a conference. And I'm like, wow, a lot of these things really are relating to my life and my struggles. So I live in Wisconsin. I've been here for 20 years, but I actually grew up in Northwestern Connecticut. So not too far from where you are. Um, so I grew up there, but I was the kid who had so many allergies and I was just miserable and sneezing in the runny nose. And, and, you know, back then kids didn't take allergy medicine the same way we do now. Right. So we just kind of suffered Yes, <laughs> and it was miserable and I suffered and suffered. And as I got older and older, that started to have an impact on my health. I was having tons of strep throat and tonsillitis and sinus infections and, it led to having my tonsils out when I was 28 years old and that was not pleasant. And then yes. about five years ago, I had sinus surgery um, because just a lifetime of the inflammation and the improper breathing finally took its toll and I was not able to use my nose anymore. And wow. even after I had my surgery, then the doctors didn't tell me, you know, breathe through your nose, breathe through your nose. It wasn't until I started learning about the myofunctional therapy in the airway component. So we're very airway focused. Um, that really kind of triggered my interest. And then I went from there and did some of the breath work training and 
Thanks. So here we are. And I've been in myofunctional therapy for about three years now. Oh, three years. Yeah. And I noticed it seems like most, um, most myofunctional therapists, their previous lives were spent as dental hygienists. <laughs> Is that correct? A lot of us. Yeah. Any profession that has a, a high degree of education in the head and neck anatomy mm. um, can go on to do myofunctional studies. That includes like a speech and language pathologist. Um, doctors, nurses, dentists, chiropractors. So just anyone who has a lot of knowledge in that head and neck region um, can go on and get myofunctional therapy training. So yeah, a lot of us are in the dental world. Yeah, I see that. I'm, I'm very impressed. As I do dive in, do my research, I'm finding out that a lot of dental hygienists, they take that next step. You know, yeah. but you're right, though. I don't hear many doctors talking about nasal breathing. So it's quite interesting that this is what you guys do. And you had a person, it was a personal experience for you. That's the allergies and the sinus issues you had that brought you to this point, to this, to this, to this step, but which is also very good. Because you can speak from experience for what, you know, what it can do. And that's important. Okay. Now, today, Again, I want to discuss how myofunctional training can improve, increase, or even enhance our levels of fitness. Because as you know, six weeks of fitness, I want to make sure that my viewers, my listeners know what, how proper breathing can help them. And, and it's so important because so many of us are not breathing properly. And again, speaking of personal experience, you know, not knowing that you should breathe in through your nose and even out through your nose. Yes, especially out through your nose. And I had no, no clue, as long as I've been on this planet, Becca, and I've been on the planet for a while, let me tell you. Okay, and I never heard this, you know? And all my military training, physical training, whatever it is, no one talked about that. I was just, they just said, breathe, just breathe. But I found by breathing in through my nose and out through my nose, I had more energy. Let's, let's talk about this. I know also you have a, a program. It's an eight-week performance and recovery program, right? Yes. And yes. we're gonna we're gonna dive into that as well. But yes. but first, let's talk about breath work. What is breath work? There is so many programs out there that encompass breath work. This is not a new thing. It's you know centuries old. The breath work that I'm trained in is called buteco breathing, and it's considered functional breathing. And what its its main focus is paying attention to the biochemical parts of breathing. So what that means is our gases, you know, the, the nitric oxide, the CO2 in our body and the oxygen. And often when we are breathing out of our mouth, we are eliminating carbon dioxide from our bloodstream too quickly. When that happens, we don't harness the benefits of that. So the functional breathing helps to ben to um, gather the benefits of the CO2 so that you can get better circulation of your blood, better oxygen delivery to all parts of your body, your brain. You know, it's really important too for people who have cold hands, cold feet, we're improving circulation, we're getting that oxygen to where it needs to go. And it's improving the nasal function, it's improving cognitive fun function, sleep. I, I decided to put together the performance um, and recovery program because 
there's so much focus on every, so there's lots of focus on um, appropriately, like children and adults with myofunctional disorders. I'm not an athlete. You can tell by looking at me, right? I am not an athlete, but this program is not about physical training or it's about the recovery part and everything that has to do with breath work and sleep is absolutely crucial to recovery and who needs recovery better than an athlete who is training hard all day long, 10, 12 hours a day, really going hard. You need lots of sleep and you need lots of recovery and lots of breath work. The breath work leads to the sleep and the sleep leads to the recovery and the recovery recovery leads to the increased performance and endurance. Hmm. So that's extremely important, especially if you said athletes, anyone who works out, um, you know, throughout the week, if you're not getting proper, if you're not recovering properly, you, it's not, it's going to affect your overall performance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's important. So let's talk some more about the breathing, because again, we talk about breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth. Now, when you're exercising, sometimes, you know, you don't have a lot of oxygen and most of us tend to breathe in through our, our mouths, you know, because we feel that that's the most natural way to do it. But you're saying even if when you're exercising, you should breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, right? Out, out through your nose, I'm sorry, right? Ideally, ideally, yes. That is something that not many people can just do, especially if you're an intense athlete and you're in small bursts of really intense cardio, you're going to have to open your mouth. Like there's no way around it, you know, but you want to try to train yourself to open that mouth as little as possible. So when someone is going through like, like something like a program, you know, we start with small steps because your body has to start getting used to that breathing change. You have to get used to that CO2 gas building up. And that is really the ticket to improving just life, not just recovery in sports, but recovery in life and just getting a good night's sleep and recovering from stress from work or whatever the situation is. But you have to start small and you have to get used to that incremental buildup of that CO2. Once you start to get to that point, then that's when you implement it into your training and you start maybe doing some light jogging, let's say with your, with your lips closed. And then when you get to the point where you just can't tolerate, like I need a bigger breath, then you maybe just slow your pace a little bit. So instead of opening the mouth to get a big gasp of air, try to slow the pace down a little bit and let yourself get used to the breathing that way and then ramp up again. So it's really, it takes a lot of practice. It's not something that you could just go out and do. You have to work up to it. Um, yeah. This is great. This is great. Now I realize, because I'm thinking, I'll, I'll just tell people, just breathe in through your nose, out through your nose, and they'll be able to do it, and they'll thank me for it later. It takes a while to build up to that level, right? Yeah, and you can learn. You know, there's lots of things you can find online. There's resources you can find on how to train yourself to do this. It's nice if you have someone that you can work with, like a coach, someone like myself, but right. you can find these re resources online. And you have to, especially if you're someone who does not have any like fitness training, you are not a exercising person. Yeah. You're not going to just go out and start running and like keep your lips closed, but right. somebody who is really, you know, already trained may be able to start implementing some of those, um, 
uh, lip closure and breathing techniques a little bit more readily. But yeah, don't expect perfect results just starting for the first time. You have to build up to it. Nice, nice. And I guess that's where a coach comes into play. You know, that's what you guys pretty much are, coaches, well, therapists, but pretty much like being a, a trainer, correct? Yeah, so the myofunctional therapist, the myo means muscle function, functional. So we work on the muscle function around the head, the neck, and the tongue, the face. Um, all of this musculature has to coordinate well in order to have good breathing. And then that plays into sleep as well. So the, you know, I have some of the breath work training and so do a lot of myofunctional therapists. I'm not alone in that category. Right. And I also have some sleep coaching um, training too. So I like to take the myofunctional therapy, the breath work training, the functional breathing and the sleep coaching. And I wrapped it into this little package, which is what you're talking about with my sleep and or performance and recovery um, because you're taking components of all three disciplines and really being able to individualize it to the person and what their lifestyle is. So what are the sleep problems? What are the myofunctional problems? What are the breathing problems? And it's, you know, just putting them together into a more bite-sized program that's easier for people to follow. And you mentioned sleep. How do you train someone who, I mean, who was a mouth breather. They may be snoring, may have wake up with dry mouth with their mouths open. How do you train someone to sleep with their mouths closed and to breathe through their nose when they're sleeping? How, is there a way to train them to do that? <laughs> yes, there is. And again, it takes practice just like everything else. The first thing we have to do is make sure the nose works well, right? So sometimes we have to look at allergies and maybe seeing a doctor to make sure there's no problems in the nose. Um, I know Chris talked about that as well, you know, having an ENT or an ear, nose and throat evaluation. Right. Make sure there's nothing in the way that's blocking the nose. In my case, as the kid with the allergies and the whole lifetime of inflammation, the little, well, I shouldn't say little, but the bones inside the nose just over a lifetime got really humongous. And you can't make bone shrink. So huh. even if I were to use the saline sprays every day and I did yes. everything, the allergy pills and everything, I can't make that bone shrink. So for me, the only way I was going to be able to breathe through my nose and to stop these sinus infections, I mean, at one point I took antibiotics for like six months in a row because my sinuses just could not drain. There was so much inflammation. Wow. So I had to have surgery in that case, but sometimes you have to make sure that there's nothing blocking. And if there is, you have to address that first. And then you have to learn where is the tongue? It has to be in the right position. It has to be up against the roof of the mouth so that it's not falling into the throat when you're sleeping. But one of the biggest things that we're looking at is, is there a tongue tie, okay? Mm -hmm. and I don't know. Are you familiar with that word, tongue tie? I'm familiar with it. I don't know what it means, but in my research, I ran across the, the phrase. And that's what we want to talk about next, the tongue. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Yeah, the tongue is like pretty much the biggest component in all of this. We look at the tongue and we don't really, you know, it's just kind of this big blob in our mouth, right? But it's, <laughs> it's actually 16 muscles. The tongue is made up of eight pairs of muscles. Yeah. 16 muscles? Yes. Yes. Tongue? Yes. I'm writing that down. 16 muscles. 
you know, yeah. I, I believe in working out muscles, but the tongue has muscles of 16 muscles in the tongue. Go ahead. You know, in some professionals, some doctors will argue, well, what's the strongest muscle in the body? Is it the heart or is it the tongue? Because when you think about the, the heart, you know, yes, it's vital. You need it for life, right? It right. pumps. It does the same action all day long. But the tongue, based on its size and its complexity and the fact that it never stops moving, even when you're sleeping, there's a real strong argument. Some are going to say, nope, it's not the heart. It's the tongue that's the strongest really? muscle, or in this case, muscles, because there are 16 muscles. What? And the tongue never stops moving, even when you're sleeping? Never. It never stops moving. It's oh, always man. contracting. It's always filling the volume of, you know, changing shape inside your mouth. And that's where sometimes, you know, with sleep disordered breathing or sleep apnea, if the tongue is losing its strength or the, you know, the back of the throat or even the soft palate where the little hangy ball is in the back, yeah. if that starts to lose tone and strength as we get older, people might start, you know, like choking on saliva or like choking on their water a little bit more than they ever used to. And maybe they start snoring more. These are, you know, this isn't the only reason for sleep apnea, but those muscles lose their strength and tone as we go through life. And if the tongue has been tied the whole entire life, those muscles are very weak. And then those functions start to suffer and it starts to come through as those difficulties with swallowing and sleeping. So in the myofunctional therapy in the airway world, we are looking at what's called a posterior tongue tie. So you've probably seen like the baby that has the string right on the tip of their tongue and their tongue is just literally on the floor of the mouth. They can't move it. That's a different kind of tongue tie than what we're assessing. We're looking at further back on the tongue and that function or that, that restriction is what prevents the back part of the tongue from being able to move properly. So in order to have all these good functions, the back of the tongue needs to be able to completely like lift up mm -hmm. and seal against the roof of the mouth. And if it can't, then you're changing like the pressure inside the mouth and then the tongue, it's just not strong. And then it just kind of snowballs into all these problems. So we wanna make sure you don't have a tongue tie that is preventing a posterior tongue tie that is preventing the back part of the tongue from working. Wow. All right. I'm very much intrigued about the tongue, okay? And I want to I want to go back and, and talk some more about this. But I, I believe I'm intrigued about it. I'm sure others are will be as well. So you're saying that our tongue, when, when you're not talking, when you're not when you're not eating, when you're not drinking, where should your tongue be? The tongue should be. So if you feel, if you take the tip of your tongue and you just like rub the top of your mouth behind mm -hmm. your front teeth a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you feel those little lumps and bumps up there? Yes. The tip of your tongue should be about in that area. We call that the spot. And then the rest of your tongue should kind of like lift up and just like gently lift and seal against the roof of the mouth. So imagine like you're doing, like you're going to do a tongue click and then you just suction your tongue and you hold it up there. Okay, now I'm open really big. So at yeah. normal rest, you're not going to be open like that. But in order to kind of get the tongue up, pretend like you're going to click your tongue and then you hold your tongue up and then you just close down. 
I'm trying to speak. <laughs> yeah, and let your tongue stay up there. Now, does it stay or does it want to fall down? I know from learning from, from, from the interviews I have with Carissa with you, I'm seeing, I'm noticing my tongue likes to lay down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I had to make a conscious effort to make sure it stays up. But you're saying it should stay up anytime you're not using it, it should be up. Yep. The tongue should be up, the lips should be closed, and your teeth should be just far enough apart where you can almost slide a piece of paper through them. The teeth shouldn't be touching all the time either when you're not talking or when you're not chewing. Um, so we call that the normal oral rest posture. Tongue up, lips closed, teeth are just a millimeter or two apart, and they're not touching all day long. We have ways and tricks to try to get that tongue to start learning how to be up there. That's part of our myofunctional therapy is yes. that's one of the goals <clears throat> that the tongue lives upstairs. <laughs> so what are some of the things that, what are some of the health issues you see uh, from people whose tongue basically is not in the proper place most of the time? Oh my goodness. The list is so long. <laughs> Give me a few. <laughs> so, um, well, sleep for one is a big one. And that's a big interest of mine because not only have I had the allergy problems my whole life, but I've been on a CPAP machine for 12 years. So I have sleep apnea and that was diagnosed when I was 28. Um, so sleep is a big one um, with the improper tongue function and improper nasal function. Um, anxiety disorders, ADHD, behavioral disorders, a lot of times is misdiagnosed, you know, maybe like a sleep problem or an oral function problem is being mm -hmm. diagnosed with as um, like a behavioral or a neurological problem. So it's really a great idea anytime like a child, there's a, a suspicion of ADHD or anything like that to have maybe a sleep study to rule out that this child is not actually having sleep disordered breathing all night long. So um, sleep, ADHD, um, gosh, there's so many things. Of course, now I'm going to, TMJ, TMJ. Um, what is TMJ? Because I just run across that. So TMJ stands for temporal mandibular joints, um, but the actual disorders that are associated with that are called TMDs, temporal mandibular disorders. Oh, okay. And especially with someone who has their mouth open, if you are like a mouth breather, we call it, or you know, the mouth is open all the time, what happens is you are putting excessive elongated pressure on these big muscles up in your head called the temporalis, like a big seashell-shaped seashell muscle. And that's the biggest muscle that supports your joint, your TMJ joint that allows you open and close your jaw. This jaw is the only bone in your whole skull that actually moves. Everything else stays still. So everything you do with your face, this jaw is moving and this joint is being engaged and activated. If you're like a mouth breather and you've been having your mouth open your whole life, you're elongating these muscles and they lose some of their tone. Then if we're chewing incorrectly, so if the tongue isn't able to manage food very well within the mouth, within the oral cavity, that, you know, we all have like one side of the mouth that we tend to like to chew on most often. Yes. yes. Yeah. That imbalance can start to change some of the jaw positioning and we can see like, you know, clenching and grinding um, in the TMJ problems. So whenever there's like a TMJ concern, it's always a good idea to really have that evaluated with a specialist because it's a very complicated joint. 
but oftentimes people find relief by working on the muscles and there's four main muscles that support that joint yes. working on those muscles just like you would work on the muscles around your knee if you had a bad knee right huh. to support the joint so those are probably the three biggest that i can think of like right off the top of my head and there's so many do you think also it could affect your respiratory system yes thank you asthma COPD, uh, uh, yes, yes. post-covid mm -hmm. why is that why does it why, why is that the case so most of us tend to breathe from our upper chest mm -hmm. instead of using our diaphragm yeah, the diaphragm is a huge muscle. Not only is it really needed for breathing and quality of breathing, but it supports a good part of your spine as well. Your spine is kind of connected and anchored to that. So it's really important. So we tend to breathe more up here instead of through our diaphragm. When the mouth is open, we're not getting as much resistance to that diaphragmatic muscle. Mm. So if you think about yourself, like when you breathe in through your nose, and you try to expand your ribs out to the side a little bit, you can feel more movement. But if you breathe through your mouth, you don't have as much resistance and you don't have as much breathing or as much movement in your ribs and in your diaphragm. The um, <clears throat> asthma and other breathing disorders, they're inflammatory disorders, they're inflammatory problems. So we overbreathe. We breathe in too much air, just like we eat too much food. Hmm. So metabolically and physiologically, we breathe in way more air than we actually need. Just like we breathe, we eat more than we need, you know, hmm. metabolically. So that plays a role and it, it kind of is always kicking us into this inflammatory process because we never allow those gases to balance to help with like overall function. Hmm. So that's very, very, very interesting. You know, because I know a lot of people with respiratory issues like asthma, COPD, and uh, it's something because they may take medication and they still suffer with the illness. But what if you started, what if you start looking at their breathing? That may actually be, may, may not be the root cause, but it could be part of the, part of the problem, right? Yeah. So, yeah, right? That's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, so like the the buteco breathing method that I have training in is a lot, there's a lot of talk about asthma. And like I said before, asthma is like an inflammation. It's an inflammatory disease. Mm, right. When we can slow down the breathing, we breathe through the nose, we're allowing those gases to balance. You're allowing that CO2 to build up. What CO2 does, carbon dioxide, is most people think of that as a waste, like it's a metabolic waste, and it right. is. But it's also very well known that we need to have a certain amount, and don't ask me the number because it's super complicated, okay. but we need to have a certain amount of CO2 in our bloodstream. And what the CO2 does is it dilates or it opens all of the blood vessels in our entire body. It in our whole digestive system as well, from our mouth all the way through. So you're allowing the body to use its own abilities to open up the circulatory system and open up the digestive system. You're also mm. utilizing this nitric oxide you guys talked about that's yes. in the nose 
And that is antibacterial. It's antiviral. There's like anti like fungal components to it. It's mm. the first line defense. And if you're breathing through your nose or your mouth all the time, you're not allowing your nose to filter out those things. You're not allowing that that antimicrobial benefit of that gas to or to reduce some of the viral and bacterial load. Mm. And it gets into the, you know, it gets into the lungs and we just have the overbreathing is a lot of the problem that comes with asthma is just we're taking in too much air and we're not getting enough CO2 to help balance the system. That is amazing. I, and I, I understand that. And to me, it makes a lot of sense, especially we talk about nitric oxide, how it's a vasodilator, right? Yes. And that is something that we need more of. And a lot of us, I would imagine, are not getting the nitric oxide that we need because it also strengthens, builds up your, helps your immune system. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's amazing to me. And a lot of this has to do with proper breathing, proper breathing. And again, most of us are not getting it, not doing it. But now again, with the tongue, you said this, the tongue has 16 muscles. So <laughs> I'm thinking about getting some dumbbells and putting on my tongue, you know, but I'm just like, how do you strengthen the tongue? Oh, we've got so many things. It just so happens because I work here all the time at my desk. I've got yes. a humongous bag here full of different tools. Really? Really? <laughs> we use to, we have tongue. all kinds of stuff. We have little ball whistles. We have really? syringes, yes. like all kinds of things, like little squishy tubes. We do hmm. lots of things to help strengthen the tongue. And you can do it a lot on your own without tools. It's, you know, resistance. Like, you know, in your world, right? In order for a muscle contraction and muscle strength to happen, you have to have tone, right? It's the yeah. same thing with the tongue. We have to start with getting it moving in different directions, up, down, side, side, forward, backward. Hmm. And then after we get it moving, we have to create tone. And then you create tone. And then you start adding in the resistance exercises. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're a, you're a trainer, like I exactly. said. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is amazing. Uh, again, because and you feel that most of us are not using our tongue correctly. I'm pretty much sure that like hardly anybody does, and myself included, until I got into this world. Yes. And then once you start learning these things, like yourself, you just have more questions, like whoa, mm -hmm. whoa, and you get down that rabbit hole, and you just want more. Exactly. It's all connected. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I know when it comes to fitness, I'm like, okay, you got to exercise. You got to eat healthy. But how many people are talking about, you've got to breathe right. Now, that is the missing link. It is. It truly is the missing link. I mean, we're not, we're not thinking about that, you know? And so and that's a biological process that we make it happen. We're going to survive. The body is going to survive. It's going to adapt. It's going to compensate. Yes. It's going to do what it needs to do to stay alive. But that doesn't always mean that the way it's doing it is helpful. Right. Right. Yeah. So then that's what we try to work on is getting it back to helpful function. And it's not just going to affect your face. It's going to affect your whole body. Your whole body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know you focus on the face. You focus on everything from, what is it, from your eyes down to your neck? What, what is that? What's that range? Yeah, so <laughs> those are like the muscles we work on. They kind of go from yeah. here to here. Right, but it affects your whole body. I so mean, think of yeah. it this way. Do you know about fascial 
fascial tissue and how fascial it connects tissue. around muscles. Fascial I heard tissue. of it. Yeah. So to get back to the tongue for a moment, mm -hmm. if we're looking at a tongue that has that posterior restriction and we can't get that tongue up and we can't seal and we can't breathe well and our mouth is open. And we say as the myofunctional therapists are like, you fall into, you know, a three out of a four on the category of a tongue tie. There's different categories that we could place you in based on function and appearance and range of motion and all these things. The posterior tongue tie is connected to the floor of the mouth by fascial tissue. So fascial tissue, if you think of like a raw chicken breast and you've got that really thin, like white mm. layer, yes, not like those ligaments that go through it, but that okay. layer, okay. that's fascial tissue. And that wraps and interconnects between every single muscle in our entire body, our entire body. See. There's three lines of fascia. The first line goes down the front. It starts under your tongue and goes all the way to your toes. So if someone is really restricted in their tongue, sometimes they have what's called a functional frenuloplasty where the doctor, the dentist, the airway trained dentist will basically disorganize the fascial tissue that's underneath those tongue muscles or around those tongue muscles underneath. That can sometimes give people improvement in breathing because if think of it as a chain, if you have a kink in the first chain of the, you know, the length of the chain, that kink is going to pull. You're going to have forward head posture. You're going to start opening your mouth. It's going to start affecting your shoulders or rolling forward. Maybe you can't expand your diaphragm all the way. And I've had so many people tell me that even their plantar fasciitis improved once they had their tongue tie released because they're releasing that fascial tension that's starting underneath the tongue. And then the effects of that trickle all the way down to our feet. Whoa, really? Yeah. So, we're so connected. Everything. The whole body is connected. It's connected. That is amazing. And this when is you really great. This is good information. Yeah. And I mean, when you take it all and you put it together, you look at the muscles of the face, the tongue, you know, the neck, and then you think about the breathing, and then you think about the sleeping, and just how they're all needed to really just bring function and like restoration and trying to bring things back into homeostasis you know just that good balance of balance yes balance. that's what yes. it is balance thank you thank you and is it, is it very interesting to me because again my talk with like Harish, we talked about how nasal breathing also helps to regulate your blood pressure yeah you know? now the first thing you're going to get when you go to a doctor and he says you have you have high blood pressure he's going to give you a pill right you mm -hmm. expect you to be on it for the rest of your life but what if you said, well, wait a minute, doc, let me change my breathing. Let me make sure I'm nasal breathing before I decide to take that medication. No, you're not going to hear that from the doctors, but I think we need to talk more about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how many? And this isn't us just talking about it. I mean, this is patient experiences, you know? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Everything, everything from the tongue to the breathing, to the sleep, to chronic pain disorders, fibromyalgia, um, fibromyalgia as well. Yeah. Like the, you know, all those like autoimmune diseases, we can get so much pain control and relief with good breathing because you're allowing, again, you're allowing that oxygen to get to more parts of the body. It's not about oxygen saturation. So if you were to check your oxygen on your finger, 
Right. It's, it's not about that because you're going to have the same oxygen saturation, but how is it jumping off those red blood cells and getting to the body parts it needs to get to? Yes. So this breathing technique is so effective for chronic pain, migraines, menstrual, um, perimenopausal and menopausal women, um, asthma we talked about. There's just so many things, yes. migraines, everything. Yes. Because my understanding when it comes to nutrition, uh, you need um, fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are alkaline. They have more oxygen in them, right? And that's one of the benefits for your cells. So imagine now, you, now you're saying, okay, not only will I eat healthier, I'm going to start breathing in through my, my nose with that nitric oxide, breathing out through my nose, and I'm going to allow more oxygen, oxygen to flood my cells which to me says you're going to end up becoming more healthy. Exactly. You know, and that's why, and that's what I want people to take away from this. You're talking about improving your health. Okay. Naturally yeah. allowing your body to heal itself like it was supposed to do. But I always say you have to give it what it needs. Your body needs oxygen. Mm -hmm. and a lot of us are not giving it enough oxygen. So the body becomes acidic. And we get yes. sick. Yes. Absolutely amazing. Now you have an eight-week program, right? And I'm going to put it up so people can see it. But talk about that. So I, I put this together to focus on athletes because, like I said, this can be beneficial for like every population of person. But this particular program is geared towards athletes because I know some athletes and I know some military people and they want to have, if you're a really like high training athlete and you have high athletic goals and you just need or want to get to the next level, this sometimes is the difference that gets you there because it's not just about, so the breath work, we talked about so much already about the benefits of that, what it's doing to the body. Yes. When you get more oxygen to your muscles, you perform better. You don't have as much fatigue, right? Right. When you can breathe well out of your nose and your lungs can expand and your diaphragm can expand and you can breathe better. You're going to perform better. But the breath work is really the part it's cumulative. So this isn't something that you just do once or twice and you're like, Oh, I'm amazing. The breath work is cumulative. So it's something you have to kind of stick with. Okay. The more you do it, the more benefits you get, the faster you get them. Then that starts to lead into the sleep improvements. So an athlete who's training all day, like an Olympic athlete or professional athletes, basketball players, you can find quotes on the internet from Tom Brady and LeBron James and the other like really big names that everyone knows that they push themselves to the limit and they need to recover. And what is recovery? That's the sleep. So they may sleep 10, 12, 13 hours because their body needs to recover that much from how much they put themselves through physically during their training. So then the tongue. So the other part of that flyer is the tongue. And that is just trying to, first of all, I want to make sure you don't have a posterior tongue tie. That's the first thing I'm going to look at. And we might talk about that, but I want you to know where your tongue should be, how to get it there. And then you take all three of those components and you start to see improvements pretty darn quickly. When I started the breath work for myself, I was chronic insomnia. Like I said, I've had sleep apnea for 12 years. I'm on a CPAP machine. Um, when I did the breath work, I probably had the best night of sleep I've ever had in my entire life after three nights. 
Really? And it was like life-changing. Really? Well, unbelievable. How often do you recommend doing breath work? I mean, every day? Multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. Multiple? For what length of time? In the most ideal situation, mm -hmm. we would be doing breath work like six times a day, but I know that that's not realistic. Kind of hard <laughs> for a lot people. of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you're talking about 10 minutes at it's a time. Not. And most people cannot do that. So sometimes it might take a little bit longer, but it's more realistic for someone to be able to do like a good breath work training three or four times a day. And even that is still a lot. But you do it in small, you know, bursts throughout the day. You're still going to get that accumulation, that accumulative benefit. Right. Um, it just might be over a little bit of a longer period of time than if you were doing it as the prescribed six times a day. But the, but you still get the you still reap the rewards. You still get the benefits. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's, that's important. And because I know for a fact, even just doing meditation, you know, deeply inhaling, exhaling, it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. you know as well but imagine doing the breath work like you're talking about four or five times a day yeah and, and that's amazing because you see the results you get the results right pretty quickly too pretty quickly and pretty quickly huh. but then you have to keep doing it to get the benefit just just like with any other training or any other therapy mm -hmm. you have to keep working on it to keep getting the benefits of it okay and this is your program and you said it's mainly geared towards athletes this one in particular yeah but I can adapt it to pretty much any group of person and make it individualized to them. So no person's the same. So just because yeah. this is a program doesn't mean you're going to get the same exact thing as, as your neighbor, as your coworker, yeah. everybody is so different. And so I probably spend most of my time as a myofunctional therapist treatment planning because each individual has their own set of needs. And that's what I plan everything out for is you. There's no cookie cutter here. You're not going to get the mm. same thing as the person next to you. Well, I feel the same way when it comes to fitness. There's, it's no cookie cutter approach. Everyone is different. Right. What, what may work for you may not work for somebody else, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. well, this is great. Now, where is your... Your, your business, your practice, where is it located for my viewers? So I'm in Wisconsin. I'm in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, Sheboygan. in the Midwest. But every single thing that I do can also be done virtually. Nice, nice. Yeah. So you can see someone like you see me and diagnose, um, treat, recommend, whatever you need to do virtually. Yep, every single thing. And we have ways of doing that. You know, we send each other pictures and, and we do things. And I know that the therapy is working based on what you described to me. So I know about those muscles. I know what they should be doing. I know what they should feel like. And if you're explaining to me what you're feeling, or I'm watching you and I'm seeing things moving in places that they shouldn't be moving, I know something's not quite right. So a lot of this is based on what you described to me. That's how I know that you're getting the benefit for that muscular activity that we're working on. We don't need hands-on approach for anything. It's nice if someone's local, you yes. know, and you can be in person, but every single thing we do and almost every myofunctional therapy has, or therapist has some sort of virtual component to their practice. It's very common. Wow. Was that more brought on since the uh, pandemic? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, well, so a lot of good came out of it. I mean, when it comes to, you know, helping people. You it know, really did. You know, I look at I look at it like that. I have a six week fitness program that I do virtually, you know, with uh, adults all over the country, 
And uh, we couldn't have done that, you know, prior to the pandemic. We wouldn't have thought about that. But now, you gotta get fit one way or the other. You can do it uh, virtually, you can do it at home, out in the street, whatever. As long as you have the, as long as you make the time and you have the, you know, the, um, the commitment. Because it takes commitment to do it. It does. It does. You've got to believe in yourself and believe that you're worth it. You know, you are worthy of it. Yes. Anything else you'd like to share, Becky? I think you just said it perfectly. You know, we we can see people all over the world. We can help lots of people and we can make it happen in ways that no one ever thought possible before. And yes, you have to invest in yourself because the investments you make now yes. are going to pay themselves tenfold as you continue to get older. Yes. And your health is truly your wealth. It truly is. It yep. truly is. And I tell people, you can't put a price on your health. Right. You know what I mean? Whatever yes. it takes, you've got to invest in it because you only get one body. You take care of it, it'll take care of you. So Becca Rose, on behalf of Body Scope of New York, that's my nonprofit and Six Weeks of Fitness, I want to thank you for coming on my show today. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Oh, you were great. And I truly hope this program was informative, encouraging, and inspiring to my listeners and viewers that they will continue tuning in to my Six Weeks of Fitness podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, please leave them in the comment section below. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, we don't stop exercising because we grow old. We grow old because we stop exercising. Right, Becca? Very good. <laughs>